Good evening, everyone. If you're watching online, we are glad you're here. Uh, just to partake with us. Um, if you use the YouVersion app, uh, all the notes for tonight is on there, uh, and you can save them and go back and uh, study them again or, or do whatever you want to do. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you for life and health. We thank you for abundance. We thank you for provision. We thank you for prosperity. Father, we thank you that this place is filled with your glory. The earth is filled with your glory. I thank you, Father, that you are doing a great thing in and among us and in and among Cambridge, and we are just so excited to be a part of it, Lord. And we love you. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you want to, uh, unless you're looking at the YouVersion app because it's already on there, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, Paul had set Timothy up in ministry and he turned, you, you do realize that the New Testament when it's written is written to churches, okay? It's funny how we try to make it work for unbelievers. It wasn't written for them. It's not meant for them. Uh, but Paul set up Timothy, and uh, Timothy was evidently young. And a lot of times we get uh, nervous when we hear of young people in ministry because we don't know what they'll do. But look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Now this is Paul's instruction to Timothy. He said, instruct and teach people all that I have taught you. Don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. I'm reading out the Passion Translation, so if it sounds a little different. He said, don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. So what was Timothy as a young man supposed to be? be? An example to the older. But you know what? Most of us, with the mindsets that we have, we don't look at those younger than us to be our examples. We want to make sure that we're example to them, but we're like, well, what can they teach me? I, I've, I've, been, I've been in ministry longer than they've been alive. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and, and it's easy for us to start getting that kind of mindset. But he tells them there, he said, be an example of the believer. So what should he be an example in? In faithful and all, true and all they do. He says, speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. So until I come, be diligent in devouring the word of God, be faithful in prayer, and in teaching the believers. So here's a young man who has been set up and his instructions was to be a man of faith, a man of the word, a man of prayer, <clears throat> and, and a man of teaching. Now, verse 14, he says, don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life, for it was imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated through prophecy, they, through the prophecy they spoke over you. Now, again, so we're looking at a young man set up, and the whole purpose of this a series that we've been do, doing called Healthy Church has been 
how we keep the church going past us. Um, now, there's a, uh, several people in this room that's younger than me. So my goal is, is to see the church keep going when I'm not doing this anymore. And how long will that be? I got plenty of years left. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, so I want you to just think about that. But just because they, uh, as a younger person, they're not set up in ministry roles yet, doesn't mean that they still shouldn't be doing these things. You still should be an example. I read, I read a statement once that said, 60% of all churches in America, and I, don't, I would say maybe that's a, a stretch now, maybe it's a, more than that. But it said 60% of all the churches in America are one funeral away from closing. Are one funeral away from closing. So we have to do something different. We have to keep the churches ready with a younger generation and bring them up and and, and teach and train. Um, One statistic showed that older folks, and don't be mad, Okay, I'm just reading the statistic. And they called older as over 60. Okay, you may not feel you're older, but. (laughs) (laughs) But they said older people over 60 outweigh the younger people under 40, 10 to 1 in a church. So in most churches, over 60 outnumber the under 40s 10 to 1. And I I would say that's even true even in a good healthy church in this area. So that tells us we have something to do, guys. Tonight I am going to hit the church hard. Okay? Um, Has anybody uh, bought the book that I suggested to you that we started this series at? Uh, What was it called? Autopsy of a Deceased Church. If you haven't... uh, and if you, you can read it in an afternoon, get that book. That book has a lot of information. It's not a whole lot. It's not loaded down with a ton of scripture, but it's a, by a man who was a coach for churches who went through and looked at 14 churches that he helped or was trying to help, and, and they went ahead and died. And so he says, okay, what caused these churches to die? And that's what that whole book is about. So it's called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And then, and then after it, it's called, I think the subtitle is like 12 Ways You Can Keep Yours From Dying. And I'm telling you, you can read it in an afternoon. Please order the book. It's $11.99 on Amazon. Um, and if you don't know how to do it, get a hold of me. We'll, put, we'll place an order through here. Deceased. Autopsy of a Deceased Church. <laughs> I want to read, I want to read tonight, our title is, When the Past is the Hero. A church dies when its past is the hero. Mm. I want to read you a, 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 a page, I'm going to read a whole page out of that book. Uh, it's from chapter 3, and I think it's even on page 18 if you have the book. But Tom Rayner says this, he says, the most pervasive and common thread of our autopsies was that the deceased churches lived for a long time with the past as hero. They held on more tightly with each progressive year. 
they often clung to things of the past with desperation and fear. And any internal or external force that tried to change the past, they responded with anger and resolution. We will die before we change. <laughs> and, and they did. He, he goes on and says, hear me clearly. These churches were not hanging on to biblical truths. They were not clinging to Christian morality. They were not fighting for primary doctrines or even uh, territory uh, doctrines. As a matter of fact, they weren't fighting for doctrines at all. They were fighting for the past. They were, they were fighting for the way it used to be. They were fighting for the way it used to be and the way we want it today. Folks, I don't know how many times we see this in churches. When, 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 when things start to change and things start to happen, it's a joke with Bob and I. Uh, we, we, we joke about this all the time because I talk to him and, 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 and Pastor Ted about this stuff all the time and Bob will throw off just to get me going. He'll say, well, that's not the way we always do it. But that's what happens. You see, we look around and we see a church that's growing and we're like, ugh, I don't know these people. Or we see a church that decides to change the carpets and change the decor and upgrade itself and we get offended by it because we remember the good old days and the feeling that some little piece of inanimate object, I told you I was coming hard, some little piece of inanimate object we hold so much dear affection for. And take it home then. <laughs> we can still find it. The church knows that a new generation is not interested in their music, in their services, in their structure, or their social issues, but they refuse to change any of these things because it was like that when we were younger. Mm. And so they expect a new generation to like what they like. Now this is me talking to you. We expect new generations to like what we like, to worship how we worshiped, and they can either come, al come along or move along. And we wonder why our churches die. Well, do we really want them if they want this and that and they don't like this and that? Yes. Yes, we do. And so uh, when we live with the past as the hero, but what are we really holding on to? We're holding on to tradition. And tra there's nothing wrong with, listen, there's nothing wrong with traditions. But how many of you know some traditions can be good, some traditions can be bad. Some traditions can be downright evil. And so guys, there are two questions that must be asked and I believe that they're required for an answer. Are you ready? I'm gonna give you those two questions. Don't answer out loud. One. What do our traditions do to bring people into relationship with Jesus? What do our traditions do to bring people into a relationship with Jesus? Or is it just something we like? Oh, it gets worse tonight, folks, I'm telling you. I told, I told Dad, Dad, D, you can tell I've talked to him all day. I, 
I told D, I said, I don't know how this is going to go over. Second, first question, what do our traditions do to bring people to Jesus? Second question I want to ask you tonight is this, are we willing to relinquish our traditions for the sake of introducing a new generation to a Jesus they either don't know or they've been taught wrong about him? What, how far are we really willing to go? We say, oh, nope, I'm not getting there yet. The word tradition, <laughs> and, and according to Webster, tradition is the delivery of opinions. But we treat traditions like they're gospel. You don't believe me? I was going to wait till later in the story, in the message to tell you this story. Dee and I was with some people one time, and I put some music on. Now, if you've been around me very long, you know my musical taste will go from bluegrass to metal. Everything in between. No shame in the game. I don't care. Yeah, whatever I feel like listening to, I'm going to listen to it. So we put on some music, and it was hymns. But it was updated hymns, Galen. Oh, they were, they were updated. And we had people actually get mad at us. They were furious at us. Why? Because the hymns were changed. It's funny, we say we don't hold tradition, but yet people want us to learn hymns because somehow hymns are tied to the gospel. Not one of your hymns is in the gospels. Not one of your hymns came out of the Bible. But we get so mad. Dee actually taught at a Christian school and one of their things, she did the music for the school, for the chapel. Oh, you gotta teach them hymns. You gotta teach them hymns. And this is why I love my wife. She says, I don't know how to play hymns. I don't know hymns. You gotta know hymns. Everybody knows hymns. That's like saying you don't know the Bible. Well, they're not the Bible. But we hold the tradition because it's what we liked. We're not really fighting for some gospel. We're not fighting for a doctrine like Tom Rainer says. We're not fighting for some, we're, we're, we're just fighting for the things we like. The things we remember, the things we've put emotion into that has nothing, are y'all okay? That has nothing to do at all with God. God really isn't that concerned about your music, folks. Listen, he wouldn't be that, how do you know he's not that concerned about music? He said, make a joyful noise. It didn't even have to sound like real music to him. As long as the heart's right and bringing it. Some of y'all better be glad of that too. I've heard you sing. Traditions is the delivery of opinions. And what we've done in the church is we've made our traditions doctrine. And they're really nothing but opinions. Webster goes on and says, it's the delivery of opinions, doctrines, practices, rites, and customs from father to son or from ancestors to posterity. The transmission of any opinions or practice from forefathers to descendants by oral communication without written memorials. Traditions. That which is handed down from age to age by oral communications. Webster even goes on to say traditions may be good, 
bad, they may be true, or they may be false. Folks, when we look at the early church, it wasn't based on tradition, but it changed the world. Why? Because nothing had ever been like this before. Jesus comes on the scene, uproots everything they, that they knew about religion. He starts talking this crazy stuff like God is the father of all men and you can call him father and starts upsetting the apple cart of religion and then the, his, his apostles go and they get scattered throughout the whole world from persecution so they decide to preach as they run and they didn't have tradition to fall back onto. So what they tried to sell people was a relationship with God. But that's not what we've done in the last days. In these last years, we have tried to sell them our traditions. Our way of doing things. We've tried to sell them what sold us. Ted and I was talking about computers today. He said somebody gave him the first computer that he had, and the hard drive on it was three megs. Yeah. Now, that may not mean anything to you. Yeah. It takes more than that to turn your phone on, even if you've got a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, they say, I don't know how true it is, I'm just gonna tell you what I was told at NASA, all right? We were at NASA a few years ago. They said there is less technology that sent men to the moon that is in your cell phone. Imagine what they could do with the new technology. So if that works for everyone else in the world, why in the world is the church still trying to sell people old, 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 old time religion? We sing crazy little, give me that old time religion. Why? It worked for you, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for her. Because you know what? If you called me and said, hey, pastor, come over. I've got a couch I want to give you. And I walk over and it's a couch that you bought in 1969 the year I was born, and it's got cat scratches and dog urine and everything else on it. So, well, we've cleaned it real good. It's a still good couch. You can sit on it. The cushions are good. You know what I want to say? Thank you, but because what appealed to you in 1969 doesn't appeal to me in 2023. So why are we still trying to sell the church this way? Come on, we're talking about a healthy church. So why are we still trying to sell the church this way? You all right, baby? Okay. The early church was built on relationships. Why do we think that can be any different for the, new, for the church today? It needs relationships, not tradition. So now, here's where the church is now. We're tradition setting, opinion giving, judgment passing, oh, enforcers of things that we think are right. Uh-oh. And if you don't line up to our traditions, then you can go to hell. 
because we only want the ones who agree with us here. Breathe. It's okay. I read a story. A young girl came to her mom and said, Mom, why do we cut the end off a of ham at Christmas time? She said, I don't know. Go ask your aunt. She taught me. So she goes to her. Said, Mom, or Aunt, why do we cut the end off a of ham at Christmas time? I don't know. Go ask your grandma. She told me. She taught me. So she goes and asks her grandma, why do we cut the end off a of ham? At Christmas time, she said, well, I don't know why you all didn't, but it wouldn't fit in my pan. <laughs> and so it became a tradition. So what we've done is we've taken the same mindset in church. Well, this worked for me. And then somebody else comes along, a new generation. Well, this is just the way it has to be because it works. And what we do is we get upset when somebody dares ask us why. Why do we get upset because somebody asks us why? Well, why do I have to worship that way? Well, why can't I worship this way? And God forbid somebody ever look at us and say, show me in the Bible. Well, I don't have to show you everything in the Bible. I don't have to show you everything. It's just the way we do it. Come on, folks. And, and we're crazy if we don't think we all don't have a little of this traditional side in us. Especially when it comes to the Gospels. But if we're going to be a healthy church that's going to be around for generations, we have to be okay when somebody questions our traditions. And we may have received our worship traditions from our great-great-grandparents. But for us to offer authentic worship then we have to understand the meaning behind traditions, not just traditions themselves. <laughs> I'm just trying to read my notes, see if I want to say them or not. Well, yeah, might as well. Because, Bob, what we've done is we treated our decorations as though they've come from the temple of Moses itself. Try that over here. <laughs> we treat our decorations as though they came straight out of the temple. And for some reason, they're holy. This is wood, fabric, and brick. There ain't one holy thing about it. Yeah, but it's got this meaning to it. No, it's got a meaning to it for you. It doesn't have a meaning to John. John's probably, well, I got a few of you in here. John doesn't care who made it. John doesn't care who hung it. You know what John would rather have? People who love him just for him. People who will allow him to come in and fail sometimes and not look to boot him out just because he screwed up. But no, we would rather honor our carpet. Oh. We would rather honor our curtains then we would rather honor people that God is sending a new generations 
I've got several of you in here. We would rather honor our stuff like somehow this came straight out of the temple. It didn't. In 1999, somebody, some man put all this stuff in here. And it ain't a bit holy. Y'all, now we're not like that. Here, let me, let me. Oh, I am going to get in so much trouble. Let me tell you how much you're like this. Six years ago, I moved into my office. I painted my office. And people were mad. Here, I'll just give you the words that were told to me. I don't care. I took down Lighthouse Border. It's been prophesied over this church that we're a lighthouse. You know what my answer was to him, Stanley? A lighthouse doesn't decorate itself as a lighthouse. It just is. We can't treat stuff. If, see, then we're tired. Oh, y'all okay? I told you I was going to rip the rug from off tonight. We can't tie our belief system into our stuff while generations face a world without a God that loves them. John chapter four. It's okay, Jody. It'll expose us, Sandy. John chapter four, I'm reading out of the message. (laughs) I know it's a paraphrase. I feel like I have to say that because people don't think I know this. John chapter four, verse 23. But the time is, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Remember we talked about her a little bit on Sunday. He said, but the time is coming and it has in fact come. When what you're called will not matter. Where where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. If you're reading King James Version, he says, but you must worship God in spirit and in truth, not in things. Yeah, but it brings me so much joy. Okay. Either the past is your hero. Oh, and you'll always be in hero worship. Come on. Or we're seeking to make sure we're here for a long time. Mm. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply or who are, who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit, and those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. Jesus urged his worshipers. See, the woman at the well says, we worship in these hills. In these mountains, Jews, you worship in the temple. And Jesus is telling them, it's not going, there's a time coming, it don't matter. Folks, that's why I don't care 
What, what somebody tells me, well, we come from X church or this church. I don't care. Yeah, but I go to this church. Okay, good for you. Go somewhere. We're too hung up. Charismatics and Pentecostals are way too hung up on this. Well, if you ain't going somewhere that's going to let you just get all beside yourself, you're not going to the right church. Well, maybe it's the right church for them. (laughs) Come on. Well, they don't have the full understanding. Maybe you don't either. (laughs) You know, I I heard John Crowder say one time, he said, I believe we'll, we'll one day find out we all got a little bit of heretic in us. When we stand before God, I wonder if he's just going to laugh and say, I can't believe you believe that about me. But Jesus said, if there's a time coming where it won't matter where you worship, how you worship, just as long as it's coming from your spirit. It doesn't matter whether you're worshiping traditionally or, or, or uh, contemporarily, where these things don't matter. God never used traditions to change the world. He changed the world with men and women who didn't even understand what coming together in one single building was all about anyhow. So why? I said it, I think I said it last week, talking about making the church the star. When Jesus, Bob sent me a text a couple weeks ago, and he said, are you at the church? I said, no. I said, I'm at the building where the church meets. (laughs) Is that not how I said it? Oh, okay. I said, I am the church. I'm in the building where I meet. This ain't the church. And when we get caught up on the silly traditions, well, that's not the way we've always done it. Oh, Galatians chapter one. God forbid, Monica comes in here with some crazy idea. Well, who is she? She's only been at this church a year, year and a half. What's that, babe? Not a year yet. She's not even been at this church a year. Why should she get a say? She's only X amount of years old. I don't know how old you are, so I'm not going to give that out online anyhow. She's only X. What does she really know? Well, she knows how to hear the Holy Spirit in her as much as you do. Uh, Same Holy Spirit lives inside of her. I just know she's younger than me. But the same Holy Spirit that lives in her pastor lives in her. And the same way Holy Spirit talks to her pastor, he talks to her. So I want to hear what Holy Spirit is saying to her. I want to know what Holy Spirit's saying to John. I want to know what Holy Spirit says to Elizabeth. You say, well, how much do you really want to know? Do you know why we are called deep dives on Wednesday night? Because of a 21-year-old young man came to me and Pastor Ted and said, you know, I think you all should really change the name of Wednesday night to deep dives. Because you all always talk about going deeper, going deeper. Well, deep dives, that's a weird name, but it made sense to a 21-year-old. Oh, (laughs) Bob says it makes sense to a 70-year-old. Galatians chapter one. I'm telling you, let's rip tradition down. 
It's time to turn over some sacred cows. It's time to turn them over and say, we're going to be a healthy church and we're going to be a church that's here for the long run. And the only way I can do that is when I have Angel ready to take over. Come on. She's only 17, right? 17, right? She's only 17. What does she know? Same Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. Thing is, are we afraid to listen to them? All because it comes out of a younger voice than ours. Galatians chapter 1 verses 13 through the first part 16a I'm reading out the message he says I'm sure that you heard the story of my earlier now this is Paul talking about his life he said I'm sure you heard my story of my earlier life when I lived in the Jewish way in those days I went all out persecuting God's church I was systematically destroying it. I was so enthusiastic about the traditions of my ancestors. He was so enthusiastic about the traditions of his ancestors that he was willing to destroy those who did not agree. Sounds a whole lot like church. We're so hung up on our traditions on the way we, that's not how we do it. Mm-hmm. That we're willing to destroy anyone who comes against it. He said, I was so enthusiastic about the traditions of my ancestors that I advanced head and shoulders above my peers in my career. Even then, God had his eye on me. <laughs> and when I was still in my mother's womb, he chose and called me out of sheer generosity. Now he has intervened and revealed his son to me so that I may joyfully tell non-Jews about him. He was so zealous of the traditions of his ancestors that he was willing to destroy people for it. We have to be careful in church not to be so hung up on traditions. I had, a, I had a, 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 a fairly famous minister come here and preach a few years ago. I'm not going to tell you who, because hopefully he'll come back. But he, he, he called me, he said, uh, Brent. I said, what? He said, is it okay if I preach in a hat? He said, because I got this one hat I always like to wear. I don't care if you're preaching a hat. Well, that's sacrifice. Prove it. Show me in the word. Just pull it out. Hmm. I said, I don't care. And you know what this church thought about it, Galen? Nothing. <laughs> Nobody cared. Why? Because, but I'm telling you, you go in some places. Oh, that's sacrilege, man. You have committed a cardinal sin. You should fall on your face before God comes down over a ball cat. You would, 
do we somehow think that God doesn't see me put one on out there? But he sees me when I, I pastored a church years ago. And I had some folks come in and afterward they wanted to have a talk with me. That's always fun. They said, well, we have some, some issues. I said, oh, okay. Well, why in the world does your praise and worship leader wear a ball cap? I guess because it matched his shirt. I don't know. And they wanted to tell me how sacrilegious this was. I had a guy one time, I'm just telling you traditions, folks, how crazy things get started, and we've judged people and kept them out of church. Because Rachel wore blue jeans with a hole in the knee. I had a guy come to me and he said, let me ask you a question. No, I can't do that one. <laughs> well, he was trying to go down between dress codes. And he said, well, they stopped outside, these people stopped outside the park and asked my wife if they were Christians because of the way she was dressed. I said, no, they didn't. He said, what? Well, their church actually sat at the entrance of the state park. You had to drive, they were standing. I said, they were standing outside your church. Church had just got out. Why do you think they stopped and asked them if they were Christian? It had nothing to do with the clothes. They were standing on the church parking lot. But we've made a religion out of tradition. And anyone that don't line up, you know how long I've waited to preach these things. Six years at least. <laughs> Other churches have had this from me, so they're, not, they're used to it. Mark chapter 7. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. How deep-seated. Karen and I was talking about things just this week. Of how people have taken traditions and have eaten Christians alive, eaten each other alive with them. You know? Mark chapter 7. I bet I get emails. Mark chapter seven, verse five. New King James Version says it this way. And when the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of our elders? Religion always wants to go back to its traditions. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes were. They were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And they said, why do your disciples not walk after the traditions? Not after the biblical teachings, the traditions of our elders. Religion always looks for tradition to worship. The past is always its hero. Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? <laughs> they didn't wash their hands. And they ate. That was a tradition. And if you did it, you were unclean. Hey, Jody. When did I tell you I last washed my coffee mug? You never have. Never have. Well, that's just ridiculous. 
To you, he gets coffee in it every day. I don't care. You want, should I tell him the rest of it? <laughs> See, it's all these things that we, because it's wrong to me, it must be wrong for Ted. But what if Ted doesn't have a conviction about what's wrong to me? What if he's worked out his salvation and it didn't include my hangups? It didn't include my religious background. Man, we strive to create a place where everybody can believe different about things if you want to. But we're still going to walk together. You don't have to believe just like me. That's okay. We've got the basics down. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, we don't have tradition hangups like that. Yes, you do. Can I give you some more? Might as well, right? When I had a snow white beard to hear, you know how many people sent word through other people for me to cut it? Traditional hangups. I evidently didn't look the part. Well, you didn't think I looked the part then? You should have saw me when my head was shaved and my ears were gauged out so big you could put a a Sharpie marker through. And when you stood in my church and you looked out and you saw an 80-year-old woman and a purple-headed mohawk. When I had a punk band that was faithful at the church sitting beside a little old lady who never wore pants. Well, that's not right. You want me to tell you how bad that went? I actually had somebody come in my church and pass out brochures for another church. Why? Because it didn't fit. Because we worship tradition. We worship tradition more than we worship God. And we will die before we let go of it. And I say that's not us. We're not going to be that. Yeah, but I have certain beliefs. Good. Hold those beliefs. Hang on to them. It's okay. Galen and I talk about this stuff all the time. There's things he he doesn't agree with with me on. There's things I, but you know what? We love each other. And not because we're related. (laughs) We love each other because maybe I don't have the revelation of something that he's got yet. Or maybe he doesn't have a revelation of something I got yet. But we hold our traditions so tight that we think we can't associate with somebody else because they don't agree with every little thing. That's when we're worshiping traditions. Things, y'all okay? Where was I at? What verse? Oh, they weren't washing with, they were washing with unwashed hands. And he answered him and said, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? Ooh. Shake the snow globe, let it settle. He said, well, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's a hypocrite. Teaching a commandment of men. What 
I think you should be doing as though it's a doctrine of God. That's what a hypocrite is. He said, Isaiah prophesied about you folks. He said, you honor me with your lips. It's all good lip service. But in your heart, you're worshiping your traditions. <sighs> Laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. Laying aside the commandment of God, you worship, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, to many other such things you do. See, my coffee cup doesn't have to be washed. You just wonder how it's going to work that in today, don't you? <laughs> And he said to them, verse 9, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, what prof, whatever profit you may have received from me is Corban, that is a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have handed down and many other such things you do. Colossians chapter two, verse eight. I want to try to rush these a little bit. Traditions aren't bad. The past isn't bad. We can honor the past without worshiping it. Honor the past. Why do you think when, when Burke Campbell walks in this building that I want to pay him honor? Because for 17 years, he gave his life to this church. That means something to me because that church was still here when I got here. That means something and so we honor it. But how many times, and this didn't happen here, so I'm not talking about you guys. But how many, I've seen it. When a new pastor goes into a new church, oh no, we, we, we are not doing it. Don't make changes. Don't you dare make changes. Because as soon as you do, there goes the apple cart. <laughs> how deep is this? If you've been a pastor any length of time, how deep is this? So deep that Dee and I determined we weren't going to make changes for five years. So people know we're here and we're settled and they can trust us. Gloves are off. <laughs> because God wants to take us further into the future. When I retire in 20 some years, I want somebody, Rachel, Monica, Angel, Gregory, I want somebody to be ready to take it. And they're going to have to do it their way, not my way. I just hope I can put enough in them where they're solid. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 from King James Version says, but lest any man spoil you, th spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions 
of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So even back then, they were trying to bring in their traditions rather than what Christ had to say. First Peter chapter 1. And the reason I'm reading these fast is because I got some statements that I really want to make to you tonight. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 from the New King James. First Peter 1 verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your father. In other words, you were not redeemed through the conduct you learned from the traditions of your father. You were not redeemed because of the traditions. I met a pastor one time. One of the, one of the, the key things for taking a church, he came in and he told this church, Bob, he said, just know this, the lobby and the stage design will change every three months. You know what happened? He lasted a year. Why? Because tradition wouldn't hear anything else. Now that's sad. All because he changed the stage. All because he changed the lobby. And he wasn't spending money. He's just making changes. We will not be this. Because guess what? What I like, she may not like. And eventually, this guy's going to be gone somewhere. And she's going to be one of the elders. She's already one of our pastors. And pastor is somebody who just is a sheep keeper. Okay? Don't let that freak you out. Someone who helps tend the sheep. (laughs) There are (laughs) common statements that I have heard. And I I want to give these to you. Versus what is said versus what is meant. Okay, are you ready? What is said, we want to grow. What they mean, we are willing to grow as long as we're not flooded with new people we don't know. I've heard it. I've had people come to me. I didn't say here. In the past, I've had people come to me and look around and say, I don't know these people. This doesn't look like my church. Whose church? You know what I said to them, Bob? I said, good, because it's theirs too. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. What they mean is we're willing to grow as long as we are not flooded with new people that we don't know. What they mean is we don't want to change and we refuse to give up control of our church. After all, we built this church, 
So we should have control of all the church does. Statement number two, we are open to new ideas, what they mean. We're willing to hear new ideas, but if they conflict with our way of doing things, we ain't changing. New is, and here's what else they mean. New is good, but the way we have always done it has gotten us this far. Now remember, we're talking about when the past is a hero. Here's another good statement that we've heard. It's, the mu- it's not the music, it's the lyrics. What they mean. We don't like the music either. But we can't make fun of it because our parents and our elders made fun of our music too and it hurt. So we won't outright make fun of yours, but it's the music. Now we're quiet. Here's a statement. We want more young people to serve in the church. What they mean. We need young bodies to do all the lifting but not serve in leadership. Oh, goodness. We would love a youth group because they can clean up our messes and take care of the grass. Here's another statement that's been said. We want more families in our church. Here's what they mean. We're looking for families that fit our understanding of family. Mom, dad, kids. And if it don't fit mom, dad, kids, we don't want them. God forbid we get the single moms, the single dads. God forbid we get divorced people. God forbid we get families of different races together. Come on. As long as it meets our idea. We're going to go easy on you. Last one. We need to reach a new generation. And here's what is meant. We are willing to reach a 21st century as long as we can use the same tools we used in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, or the 80s that got my attention. I want to reach a new generation as long as I can use those same tools. Dee and I were young. Some of you all will remember. Anybody remember the felt boards when you was a kid? The little felt people, you stuck them on this board and they stuck real nice. Flannel. John's looking at me like, what are you talking about, man? Because <laughs> I'm older than you, man. Those don't work anymore. So what do we do? We pay good money for good children's church curriculum that's got wild music and wild lights and funny skits and videos We put bubble machines in the church. We paint funky geometric shapes all over the walls. Why? Because to reach them, 
it's going to be a whole different world than it is to reach me. How in the world do we think we're going to get anybody with a flannel board when most kids have phones or tablets by the time they're five? Will it work for me? Yeah, because you didn't have the access that they've got. Listen, you all are here and you're watching online because you're a part of this. And we can take this and we can make sure that this is the reality of harvest. But I can't do it by myself. What they mean is we're willing to reach a new generation, the 21st century, as long as we can use the same tools we did in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, wherever you come from. John O'Keefe, and I don't remember where I found his quotes. I can't find them. I've looked for them so I could give him a lot more credit. (laughs) But he wrote this. Many churches today are noticing that they're getting older and that younger people are not taking their place. They look at what they are offering, knowing a change needs to happen, yet they aren't willing to change. He goes on to say, a graying church is one that has more history behind it than life in front of it. It's time we realize that we look inside and say, maybe the way we've always done it is not going to work today. I had an awesome compliment this week. Last week, somebody came to me and said, you know, I wasn't sure at first about me. (laughs) That's all right, I'm still not. But this was the statement. I thought we were spending too much money on the online stuff. And that's okay, that's good. Because they love their church. They said, but now I see, because so many of our people find us online. I want to tell you a story. Ted and I went out to lunch today. Like we do on every Wednesday, we go out, we're talking church stuff, strategy stuff. And we were sitting in a restaurant. And and I saw this couple of people talking about us, because they kept looking at me. And they walked over to me and they said, you're the pastor of Harvest something. I said, yeah, Harvest Christian Fellowship. They said, yeah, I've been watching you online. Said, she's been looking for a church too. Before it was over, she came back to me and she said, she got on Facebook, is this you? I said, yeah, that's us. And if you're watching, I'm glad I met you today. And this is for you. She said, I'll be watching tonight. You know what happened? We just grew that much more. But they're not in this seat. You've got to realize, we've got a whole other congregation that we may never lay eyes on. But they're changing the world somewhere. 
And we have to be willing to say whatever change has to happen, we'll do it gladly and we're going to support it when it does. Because that's a healthy church. That's a growing church. And if we can pull all this stuff together, Karen, there's no stopping us from winning an entire region to God. So let's do it. Let's do it. Well, what if it looks different? It may not look like your church anymore. But guess what? This ain't just your church. High School Musical said it. We're all in this together. Some of you will get that. Some of you won't. See? (laughs) Let's not be so tied to our traditions that we're willing to ignore generations. And we'll remain healthy. We'll continue growing. And we'll continue changing an area. Because God loved them so much and he can't trust us if we won't love them like he will. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Glorious, glorious Holy Spirit, help us change. Help us be willing to not even develop traditions and be willing to lay everything else down and aside. Let us stand in your place saying, God, what's next? What do you want me to do? What does it look like? And Father, help us to overcome the fear that will rise because that's not the way it's always been done. But we find ourselves doing it anyhow because somebody needs it. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. If you signed up for Seder, don't forget it starts at 6. Friday evening, the Seder dinner starts at 6 Friday evening. If you have signed up, please bring a potluck. I want to eat. All right, so bring, please bring, you can't bring a potluck, I get that. Please bring something in a pot. <laughs> All right. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, the young adults and some other adults that aren't so young, I'm not naming names. Y'all can figure out who you are. Stuffed over 3,000 eggs last night. We want kids to go home with garbage bags full of eggs. Parents are going to be so mad at us. There's so much candy going to leave this, this property Sunday. But you know what would be the best thing? Is if we brought a bunch of kids. And we blessed them. Because before they ever go out and find an egg... There's somebody, there's a little girl back here that I'm real close to that's going to tell them how much God loves them, how much they mean to him, and how much that he cares about them. And then they're going to know we care because we want them just to have a good time. There ain't nothing wrong with having a good time at church. Amen? So bring kids. Bring your grandkids, bring your neighbor's grandkids. At least tell them you're taking them off the street before you bring them. But bring kids. Let's bless them. And bring your neighbor. Bring your friend. Bring your family. Because there's good news on Easter. Amen?
Have a great week. We'll see you this weekend for all the rest of the events.